0: RCR with Paul Brennan, Reality Check Radio. I'd like to welcome back to Reality Check Radio, Guy Hatchard. He was here with us a week or so ago. Uh, Many of you know of him already, but if it was your first time, well, you know who I'm talking about now. And we've got him back on the program to talk about one of his latest pieces on the hatchetreport.com. Tefatu Order are hiding the alarming figures, a tsunami of illness. Guy, welcome back to RCR. Thanks for giving us some time again. Good to talk to you, Paul. Okay, this is quite alarming. I've read through it uh, and been thinking about it for a few days. You say an anonymous source has sent you some internal data from the health department. What sort of data? What's it saying?
1: Uh, Well, they're uh, they're direct printouts of uh, health statistics in the Wellington region. And uh, they are indicating there have been massive increases in in quite a wide range of categories of illness. Uh, Heart attacks are up by eighty three percent, almost doubled.
0: Eighty three percent,
1: yeah, compared to two thousand and nineteen pre pandemic, and uh, they're increasing gradually. Um, Incidents of uh, stillbirth. Miscarriage and stroke all up twenty five percent. Incidence of myocarditis up thirty three percent, and uh, incidence of acute kidney injury up forty percent. These these increases are so huge they're off any off the chart as far as any statistical assessment is concerned. They're very very alarming, and. Um, yeah, well, we haven't heard anything about them, have we? Uh, and yet they've been quietly going on, and de Potter, de Potter order has been obviously quietly burying
0: these statistics. So the source that you have uh, got this data from, I mean, I got to ask, um, trustworthy source?
1: Ah, uh, yeah, you're very
0: trustworthy. That this.
1: Uh, it's anonymous, but, I, you know, I have documents that can verify that this is official data. And um, as well as that, look, it's not just this alone. Uh, a number of people have contacted me since I published my first article on this data. I've now published uh, four articles, and I've just finished another one today. Uh, the um, health insurance data. So this is a big health insurer. And uh, they are reporting that their daily um, health claims coming in have risen pre-pandemic from four to 500 a day to more than 700 plus a day, which is commensurate with the leak figures from the Wellington region. So I think we can feel that these are fairly reliable. And well, not just fairly reliable. I mean, I'm going to stand by them, basically. <laughs> And well, I can't you know say more than
0: that. It kind of goes with the anecdotal because where I'm located um, I'm on a route to the hospital and I can't ignore it. The number of ambulances going past my house with the siren on has yeah. probably more than doubled in the time I've been here. So um, people must be start like me starting to see this. So those' sitting on this data, it's a crisis given the percentage rises that you mentioned. I mean, it's out of the ballpark, really, historically. And I haven't heard a peep. Have you?
1: Uh, well, we're not seeing anything, are we, in the mainstream media? And I, it's interesting. My source tells me that this uh, sort of summary data of what's going on, the big picture, has really only been accessed by the senior managers in the health service, Um who obviously their role is to coordinate with the government. So uh, either the government knows or the government doesn't know but just imagine the position of health professionals like uh, doctors, workers in emergency departments, um, specialists and so on. They haven't been given this data. uh, They've just got their own personal anecdotal a uh, snapshot now a lot of those are saying oh well workloads have increased and we know that the health department is feeling overwhelmed and workers are feeling overwhelmed and they want more stuff and so on but they only have their own personal s- snapshot because they've not been given this information instead they've been told that the vaccine is safe and effective So they're not connecting the dots.
0: I can't believe that, Guy. I can't believe that. You've got a whole lot more heart attacks, all the other things, the numbers that have gone up. The insurance industry, it's registering on their readings now, and you can't join the dots. Come on. (laughs) Well, Uh, They're they're seeing it every day, the big spot with patients. Hey, more heart attacks, guys. I wonder why. They can't make that leap to even ask the question?
1: Well, I think some have, haven't they? But, um, you know, these are very uh, busy people and they're getting official information that the vaccine is safe and effective. And they're also, not just that, they they're basically been told that if they start to ask questions, their job might be at risk, their career, their income, their professional status. Uh, It's not in their interest to ask questions. Uh, And the government have made it Uh, like that. I see that today Ardern uh, was um, uh, appointed to a position or three positions at Harvard University, where she'll be lecturing students and studying ways to improve content standards and platform accountability for extremist content online.
0: Oh, good, save me.
1: Yeah, which, as we know uh, from her past statements, includes uh, vaccination. But it's worse than that, actually. In the UK, uh, Matt Hancock, the former Secretary of State for Health, uh, and another former health minister have called for uh, amendments to legislation uh, to prioritize censorship of statements questioning vaccine safety and make them a criminal offense.
0: And that's him. He's talking about him. Yeah,
1: yeah, of course, of course, he's talking about himself as as his um, as all the revelations in his diary that that came out a, a couple of months ago show that he himself was altering uh, information to produce a particular effect in the in the public.
0: It's crazy. Okay, so back back to here. Assuming those stats are you know all legit and you're standing by them, they've come obviously from a reasonably high source of only senior management can access this data thus sitting on it we obviously have a problem and I can't imagine how long can you hang on to not well first of all ever mentioning it but hang on to that data it needs to get into the public domain doesn't it because this sounds like an emergency and to sit on it is like criminal isn't it? well it's getting
1: worse because the the actual effect size is increasing that means there you know year by year it's getting worse as people have more apparently as people having more vaccinations but you know the what's thrown back in your face from uh you know official sources is well well we don't think it's the vaccine it's covid and in fact uh, yesterday uh dr deborah russell m p who's the minister for statistics uh sent a comment on uh, on these statistics. Uh, basically, she attacked me, but um, it, it, she's, she quoted an article from Bloomberg, which is not a scientific publication, it's a magazine. It's a business
0: uh, uh, publication, isn't it, Yeah, fundamentally?
1: Yeah, she did, and she quoted that saying, you know, this shows that um, New Zealand's policy was a great success and the vaccination stopped. Uh, Uh, a lot of deaths in the country. Well, she obviously didn't read the article. I did. But the the article said no such thing. It basically said that in uh, uh, 2020, which was before vaccines and before COVID in New Zealand, uh, we locked down and we closed our borders. And so we had very low um, all-cause mortality it didn't say anything about vaccination at all, for obvious reasons, because it wasn't involved in reducing mortality in that year. But the key point that comes out of the Wellington data is this, because they have data broken down by age and uh, year. And look at 2021. In 2021, uh, up to September, up to the end of September, we had very little COVID, almost none. Yet we had vaccination. And you find the same massive increases in categories of illness occurring in 2020, in that period in 2021. So that's when it all began. And it, it cannot be argued, as Michael Baker has persistently argued, that it is all due to COVID and long COVID because we didn't have COVID and long COVID then. So that's when this tsunami of illness in these different categories like uh, heart attacks and, and so on, thrombotic ex- uh, events, and, uh, started up. And that's irrefutable. You, you, can't, you can't argue with the fact. In fact, we should have gone, here in New Zealand, we should have gone to the rest of the world and said, look, we didn't have any covid So, what we're experiencing is very clearly a result of the vaccination. But again, we kept quiet. Ashley Bloomfield kept quiet. And he. Well,
0: remember the the COVID minister, after the price was leaked per dose, he was worried what Pfizer would think of us. So, yeah. You know, so something's up there. We need to look at that contract, don't we? It needs to be out in the open. The sunshine needs to come in. I'm almost thinking it's time to call the police in, isn't it?
1: Well, it, it, the whole thing has gone I- incredibly. But
0: wrong. wouldn't you do that if you suspect that you know there's been this event? If there was an air crash, the investigators would be over it in an hour. They, well, they should be, shouldn't they? But what we've seen is a
1: is a basic breakdown in the whole structure of government. We've seen that the uh, government is now funding the media, so we don't have any independent information. We've seen them enforcing sort of mandates and telling people that it's all okay. So hiding information is, is completely distorted
0: the relationships in our society. Whenever was this sort of information or, or other health information that was of uh, needed urgent attention of the public and the state ever held back?
1: Never. No, there were accepted standards. Even if there are one or two deaths, then the accepted standard was to pause a new med- medication, and and you saw something completely opposite here because Ashley Bloomfield, uh, now Sir Ashley Bloomfield, Director General of Health, he loses that under my regime. He loses that in a
0: nanosecond.
1: Well, he definitely had this information at the end, somewhere around the end of September, it, on the on the seventeenth of uh, of. December, somewhere around there, around fifteenth, seventeenth of December, he wrote to all the DHBs and said there is at least one adverse effect from this vaccine. Uh, it, it seems that it creates a degree of myo, uh, the possibility of myocarditis, which is heart, inf- the heart muscle inflammation. And uh, he said the incidence, the reported incidence in New Zealand is. Three out of every hundred thousand uh, vaccinations, and yeah, that was concerning, yes, but it sounds like a fairly low figure, and it didn't ring any alarm bells in the health service and uh, but you look at the data, at that point, the actual number in their database that was 127 myocarditis, extra myocarditis myocarditis cases compared to pre-pandemic out of every 100,000, 40 times what he said. So he obfuscated the issue. He covered up the actual data. Why did he do that? What were his motivations? Was he afraid of COVID? So say maybe he was afraid of COVID, thinking COVID would be worse than the vaccines, and so he could lie a little. But the truth is that published data overseas, by that point, already showed that COVID was nowhere near as risky as first thought. It was far milder. And then we were coming, by mid-December, we were coming into Omicron, which was milder again. So he couldn't, he can't hide behind the data. He should have been up to date with the data he should have been reporting it and instead what we saw at the beginning of october was and he Arden was you know coordinating with bloomfield every day and hipkins and what we saw at the beginning of october was Arden bringing out the mandates allowing businesses to sack their employees if they weren't vaccinated, insisting on uh, regimes in schools and so on, where children were coerced to vaccinate. We saw a whole range, a raft of uh, effects, which we now realise were very, very damaging to the economy. And by the way, that's something that was mentioned in the Bloomfield and the Bloomberg article. Uh, that, you know, sure, in 2020, lockdowns stopped uh, and border closures stopped COVID from coming here. But at the same time, it says it really damaged our economy. So we saw this. Now, what happened at that point in time? Why didn't Bloomfield warn uh, Ardern? Did Ardern decide that she was going to take a sort of this fanatical position? And why did she do that? Was it because of pressure from overseas? We know that she had a lot of overseas connections. Uh, We know that uh, she had these through Helen Clark, for example. Uh, We know that, you know, she was in constant touch with people overseas. It seems like our policy was influenced not by our own data, which showed that the vaccine was really dangerous, but by somehow a desire to, to be on the world stage doing more than everybody else was doing in the world. And that was putting the whole population at risk. It's very frightening data. This it's it's
0: unbelievable. It's, I'm sitting here aghast. And him minimizing the adverse reactions to the one confirmed one, that, that's what you're saying, isn't it? Uh, yeah. He, he did that. You know, that reminds me when I stole milk money as a milkman. They marked the money, and I handed in twenty cents. I'd been doing it for years. I only admitted to twenty cents, and that's all they could get me for. It's the same thing. Um, yeah, and well, he, yeah. and, and it's, he a,
1: it's actually sort of more suitable for the Second World War than
0: the, <laughs> than <them> delivering milk. <laughs> yeah, but you know what I'm saying. That's an obfuscation tactic. It's obvious, and you know, it's it's almost a, a cringy kitty thing to do and that's kind of the point i was making um but yet he went on to appear on that stage with the prime minister and chippy and he only a few weeks ago was endorsing the next shot in the media so either he hasn't learned or he doesn't care I mean, well, what? I
1: think for a long time we thought we we're in some kind of rational discussion here um but we're obviously not because look it's a matter of it, no one's going to dispute that we have a serious health crisis now in New Zealand, our health services are overwhelmed, and we have this massive increase in all these categories. And by the way, one category I didn't mention was cancers. What's happening
0: with cancers?
1: Cancers are up in in a number of specific categories. And uh, again, if we look at places overseas, like breast cancer, for example, if we look at places overseas where they're publishing more cancer data, again, it's off the charts, and it takes longer to develop cancer. Um, you know, so it's going to be one of the effects of the vaccine that's going to come in later. It's um, why does it happen? It, 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 you know, the body. We have thirty-seven trillion cells, and they're all uh, taking. Tens of thousands, every cell, every one of those 37 trillion cells is taking tens of thousands of actions every day to uh, cut out any mutations which might lead to cancer. When you disrupt immune cell function, which is what the mRNA vaccine deliberately does, it retasks cells to do something other than what they normally do then you're going to open the door to cancer. And, and a lot of people, uh, Robert Malone, Dr. Robert Malone, who was one of the original inventors of mRNA technology, uh, Mike Uden in who was uh, a vice president of research at Pfizer, warned that this, this mRNA technology was going to cause cancers. And it is, and it, it, you, you can't tell in any specific case, whether a cancer was caused by the vaccine. Yes, but, but if you
0: can link the uptick
1: with yeah, the rollout,
0: I mean, it's pretty bloody obvious, isn't it? We're in a pretty yeah. dark place, aren't we?
1: We are, and it's it's getting worse, and, and the government is in denial because, of course, it's politically suicide for them to admit that they did something wrong at this point in time. There is, fortunately, there's one government The German government is starting now to talk about adverse effects. And uh, the German media are starting to carry studies, uh, uh, you know, stories about it. And the reason is, of course, that they have a new government. So the Minister of Health in Germany... He doesn't
0: have the baggage.
1: No, he doesn't have the baggage. He can talk about it. Our government can't talk about it because it would be political suicide for them. And
0: the opposition can't talk about it either. Okay, they're not in Uh, power, but, but they... They weren't there either.
1: No, no. All our political parties acquiesced. They they failed to ask questions. I, I mean, it's by way of excuse. Uh, uh, how much information were they given? Idun certainly was in the driving seat. How much was information was given, and and how much false information was given to the other political parties? We will probably never know. But they certainly got it from plenty of plenty of correspondence. a a great deal of correspondence.
0: It sounds like some sort of criminal conspiracy, potentially. I hope I'm not sort of running away with it, but we've heard the incompetence argument, incompetence, groupthink, and all of that. No one can ignore statistics like the ones you've had said to you and have, have talked about. No one can ignore them.
1: Yeah, well, by the way, this data includes, uh, you know, test results as well—not uh, for individuals, but average scores. Um, yeah, about four percent of men who uh, had blood tests had blood tests after vaccination are uh, were showing elevated troponin levels, which is indicative of, um, you know, and a cardiac event. And about four percent of men and women. Uh, uh, are showing elevated D-dimer tests. D-dimer tests are a measure of um, coagulation, which is connected to strokes. So we're seeing, um, you know, backup uh, biochemistry data as well showing that this is real. And we wrote articles here at the Hatchard Report a year ago, talking about the need for troponin tests. We didn't realize that they were being done, and they knew the result, and they were hiding it.
0: Well, why would they be doing them? They would be curious, weren't they? They were curious even then, in that case, well, there are a
1: number being done, of t- or is
0: that a standard test to run?
1: It, it is a standard test to run in certain circumstances, and about ten percent of um, approximately people did, as a matter of course, when they were hospitalised, uh, did have these tests. You know, we've had the situation now for for ages where there are hundreds of people who have died, uh, proximate to vaccination, and the, the government has only admitted there have ever been two people have died as a result of a side effect of vaccination, which is a laughable uh, kind of brazen lie to the public. We're, we're, you know, it's not even—I mean, overseas, it's there are court cases and uh, compensations being given out in some countries, but we're we're holding the line here. Um, oh man, uh, keeping mum. It, it's, yeah. a, it's obviously political. It's obviously been driven uh, by our politicians.
0: They must know they have a ticking time bomb. It's just a matter of when it goes off. It's right in front of them. They can hear it ticking, surely.
1: I think uh, there's a certain side, kind of um, psychology here. When a person becomes fanatically committed to some something, they can't see beyond it. Uh, I watched the other night, I watched the uh, documentary on Netflix about the Boston uh, Marathon bombers, two brothers, and they became indoctrinated uh, with, uh, you know, at their local mosque and then one of them traveled overseas and so on. But they were in a state of mind where, you know, they actually killed their best friend, childhood friend, uh, you know, someone they were really friendly with because he was Jewish, because they had been so indoctrinated.
0: That's how powerful that they, it is, right?
1: Yeah, that's how powerful it is. And I think once you become fanatically committed to something, then you, you can't change course. It's really, I mean, you, I say again, we're obviously not in a rational discussion with the authorities here. I have written well over 200 articles I reference all my articles at the Hatchard report and globe.global my two sites with multiples published studies in peer reviewed journals and preprints and uh, but it's water off a duck's back these the, you know that there's an accumulated level of evidence now that this is very risky technology but, you know, people are, I can only say it, they're keeping the faith, you know, their faith. Uh, the, the word vaccine is very emotive. I don't count this mRNA technology as, as a vaccine. It, it's a gene therapy. It's an intervention in the way cells work. You, you have, uh, you know, the cell, human life starts with a cell. And the cell has the genetic material and it has the, the membrane. And then between the genetic material inside the membrane is the cytoplasm, which contains the RNA, which is the engine of the cell. It has, you know The cytoplasm has something like 40 million proteins in it. Well, mRNA technology breaches the membrane gets inside the cytoplasm and says, you've got to do everything differently now. And you think about it, that's the whole cell is what, where life begins. How risky is it to start altering the way cells work? That's, to me, that's a line we should have never crossed, and, but we've crossed it. And a, a lot of this stuff is, is irreversible.
0: Wow. Um, Okay. I'm going to get you just to go through those figures to sum up again. I I wanted to ask you, did you mention reproductive health and that as well? Because there are many reports, again, from overseas, that birth rates are down, stillbirths are up. Um, There are issues during pregnancy for women. Breastfeeding has become a problem for many women or has been affected. So were there any stats regarding that? That you received,
1: yeah. For the Mel- for the Wellington uh, region, miscarriages before uh, the pandemic were at six six nine, and um, were up to nine oh seven in twenty twenty two. By the by the beginning of twenty twenty two, and uh, stillbirths seven oh three pre pandemic. Uh, 9.02 uh, in 2022. So yes, reproductive health affected. And again, we're talking about the basis of life. And look, this is 10% of Wellington region is 10% of New Zealand. Multiply these figures by 10 to get the the probable extent uh, of these uh, You know, that would add an additional 1,600 miscarriages and 1,800 stillbirths throughout New Zealand if those figures were repeated, which is a reasonable
0: hypothesis. Yeah, I'd say. And just um, heart and cancer again, one more time, just so we can really drive it in.
1: Heart disease up 83%, uh, kidney injury, acute kidney injury up 40% strokes, up by a quarter, 25%, myocarditis, up 33%. All these things have long-term implications for health. They're not just sort of one-offs, you have them, and then you're, everything's okay. These are serious conditions, which, which are going to impact our health statistics for years to come.
0: And we're just at the beginning of this too. Like you said, it rolls out over time, it seems. So how this if it expands and becomes a even more of a tsunami, what does your gut tell you?
1: Well, it's already happening. I, I noticed there was an advertisement in social media yesterday and multiple advertisements calling for volunteers. Uh, a company in Auckland was calling for vol- volunteers to come and get an experimental mRNA flu jab. I looked into it, and it's an overseas company, an overseas pharmaceutical giant that's decided that New Zealand uh, has a very high uptake of vaccination, so people are keen on it down here. So let's do our trials down in, in uh, New Zealand.
0: Their test market is paying off. Yeah. That's horrible to think that. Okay, well, that's kind of a rock your world stuff, Guy. I'm it is. Say. I mean, I think we all knew that something was up, but to hear figures around it and to know where they came from, but even more than that, to know that they've been sat on and hidden, that's hard to take, man. That's hard to take. It is. It's hard to process, isn't it?
1: Uh, it you know, people are welcome to uh, enrol at hatchardreport.com, where uh, we put out uh, regular releases giving inside information on what's going on, and it's all scientifically referenced, not like the government who are referring to popular magazines from the United States that they haven't even read
0: well oh, that would have been a staffer just looking for a link. <laughs> you don't think she went out and looked for that herself. There's just no way, man. There's no way. <laughs> and uh they, they probably cut the first thing that they saw, read the first few lines. Ah, that that'll do. That'll do. And That's kindergarten stuff, isn't it? Well, this is the thing, it it's a massive before it's everything else, it's incredible cringe to think that these people are ruling over us. But it's got to get more serious now. It has to, surely. You just can't let it ride. This okay. can't ride, even if they were delusional. Sorry. I don't know. Anyway, Guy, thanks for coming on the program and giving us those figures. And thank God we've got whistleblowers out there.
1: huh? Yeah, absolutely. And, and uh, thank you, Paul, for taking the time to talk about it and I look forward to talking to you again. RCR with Paul Brennan, Reality Check Radio.